It's the 120th edition of the Palmetto Bowl between the South Carolina Gamecocks and the Clemson Tigers. Can the Gamecocks win the Palmetto Bowl for consecutive years for the first time in a decade? We'll discuss that possibility and more on today's Locked On Gamecocks. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and I'm also a staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you all so much for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch for your team here today. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. And on today's show, I am pleased to be joined by Locked On ACC co-host Kenton Gibbs, who's going to discuss the upcoming Palmetto Bowl between the South Carolina Gamecocks and the Clemson Tigers, more so from the Tigers' perspective, considering his connections with the ACC. So, Kenton, first of all, thank you so much for coming on to today's show. But before we get down to business, it is Thanksgiving, so i got to ask you real quick, what is your favorite side dish that you got to have on your plate when you're getting your food? I mean, you name it, macaroni and cheese, yams, cornbread. I, I, it's, I'm a buffet buster, okay? I'm a former defensive tackle, so obviously you can't go wrong with any of those. As long as you keep dressing, stuffing, whatever you want to call it off my plate, I'm happy. I hear you. I hear you. Don't discriminate. I am in the same boat as you, man. It's a great day. It's a great week for sports in general. And the Palmetto Bowl, it's one of the most recognizable rivalry games in the southeastern United States here in college football, especially. And I think it's sure to be a good one. And Ken, obviously, when it comes to the Clemson Tigers, there's been a lot of intriguing storylines with this team this year. From the fact that, obviously, they're not going to win uh, 10 or more games for the first time in over a decade. Obviously, Debo Sweeney had a spat with Tyler from Spartanburg on his radio show a few weeks back. What are your just overall opinions on this Clemson Tigers football team and sort of how this season has gone for them? First thing first, they need to have Tyler from Spartanburg at their uh, at their <laughs> end of season banquet. You know, Dabo Sweeney made a, a made a very emphatic point to say his name with some emphasis on it. And guess what? This Clemson team has played with emphasis ever since Tyler was on with them. I mean, the reality is very simple. This was a team that had no identity offensively. Defensively, they were good, but they weren't so dominant defensively that you could excuse a lot of the problems that they had offensively. You could excuse the lack of an identity. You could excuse the lack of playmakers rolling at a high level. And ever since that game, they've turned it around. They've got a new attitude. The young guys are stepping up. And more importantly, they have an identity now. They know exactly who they are offensively, which is very one-dimensional. But that one dimension, you know, is, is like criticizing Stevie Wonder for only playing the piano at a high level. It just kind of sounds foolish. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Yeah, the Clemson's definitely been on a tear for the past few weeks, winning three straight games and two of them over top 25 opponents in the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and the North Carolina Tar Heels. So they've certainly been playing their best ball as of late. South Carolina, you could kind of maybe say the same thing about them. You know, the Gamecocks, obviously, with their backs against the wall, sitting at 2-6 and six just a few weeks ago, winning games against a really tough Jacksonville State team from Conference USA, taking care of business against Vanderbilt, and then defeating a Kentucky team that, at least for the past 
11, 12 years has given them some problems. And so Shane Beamer, the Gamecocks, they're looking to possibly uh, clinch bowl eligibility while defeating the Tigers all at the same time. There's a lot riding on this game for both of these programs heading into this matchup, which we'll dive into a little bit more later on in the show. But Ken, I want to now switch gears and talk about a specific player for Clemson, and that is quarterback Cade Klubnick. Now, obviously, you know, Cade Klubnick had a lot of uh, high praise from evaluators coming out of high school. Five-star recruit. I believe he was Elite 11 MVP, which is one of the most prestigious high school quarterback camps in that circuit. And Tiger fans had a lot of, um, they had a lot of hope and optimism that, you know, this kid could kind of take them back to the days of maybe Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, and sort of, you know, lead a high-powered Clemson offense back to the promised land, the college football playoff. And it hasn't always worked out that way this season. So what are your opinions on Cade Klubnick and how he's performed in this Clemson offense? Uh, that young man has one of the worst football IQs I've ever seen in my life. I, genu- I genuinely don't understand how like certain concepts get lost in his brain that just make him make certain decisions. But with that being said... I think that this is a team overall in terms of Clemson. You're not looking at a team. There's three types of quarterbacks. There's the quarterback that you win because of, right? You're looking at your your Tom Brady's of the world. You're looking at your Caleb Williams at USC. You're looking at that type of deal. Or South South Southern California. I know that I'm on uh, South California, <laughs> locked on Gamecocks. I don't want to, you know, I know that y'all were a school before they were even a state over there. But the reality, <laughs> Very simple, right? That's a that's a quarterback that you win with, and th- or that's a quarterback you win because of. And then there's the quarterbacks that you win with. Those are the guys who, you know, they don't really move the needle one way or the other. They get into the playmakers. They make good decisions. They may have a bonehead play here and there, but they also may have a play where they play up here and there. And it's like, all right, it, it about evens out. You know, he's not a super plus, not a super minus. We win with that guy. And then there's the third one. There's the quarterback that you have to win in spite of. There's the quarterback that you're like, please, just God, dear God, don't turn the ball over. And we'll be okay. I'm begging you, do not just, just make the read, throw it away if you can, take the sack, just don't. And the reality is, Kay Klubnik has been that guy for a lot of this season. That's, that's the reality. And during this winning streak, I think the biggest thing is that they have told him, hey, listen, you're going to be the quarterback we went with, and that's okay. We can grow you into that quarterback we win because of potentially, but right now it's either you're the quarterback we win with or you're going to have to sit down for a little while because multiple decisions that he's made, a la the, the Miami game where he pulled it in overtime when uh, Will Shipley had a, a much easier path to the end zone than him, the Florida State game where your backs are averaging over five yards a carry, you're at third and one, and you pull it to throw a bubble screen, like those are the types of things where I'm just like, what's going on up here? What's not clicking? What's not? What are the neurons not neuroning up there? Like, what a what a good thought that you brainstormed die of loneliness up there, young man. But with that being said, he's young, he's maturing, he's learning. So at the end of the day, I think that that's that's my take on K. Klubnik. Like all of the fanfare, all of the, oh, he's going to be this, he's going to be that. You know, the recruiting metrics and all that, they're more art than science. You you do your best to get them right, but there are plenty of folks who follow these kids around and, and you know, project what they're going to be going forward. And they sometimes don't turn out to be that for a myriad of reasons. And I think that it's fair to say he has not performed anywhere near what expectations were, but on the on the flip side of that, he's starting to learn. I don't have to be the guy. 
I don't have to throw for 400 yards. I don't have to throw the game when they touch down. I don't have to run in the game when they score in order for it to be an important victory. Yeah, Kenton. And the thing that uh, really stood out to me when I looked at Kay Klubnick and sort of his numbers is uh, the home and road splits, which obviously you could argue for a lot of quarterbacks. Home and road splits are going to be drastically different. But for Klubnick, you know, he's barely completing 61% of his passes on the road, which these days, you know, 61%, that's viewed as being almost a bad completion percentage because of how offenses are operating now. And he's only thrown five touchdowns compared to four interceptions. And the interesting part is one of those games took place at NC State. And, Ken, I know that that is a program that you cover very closely. And it's a game that maybe Gamecock fans could have some takeaways from when it comes to how their defense could maybe try to cause some issues for this Tigers offense on Saturday night. We're going to touch on all of that in just a few moments. Welcome back to this Thursday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day. And as always, a big thank you to each and every one of you everydayers who make the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your daily watch on YouTube or your daily listen wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Clinton, uh, excuse me, Kenton, not Clinton, Kenton, my fault, man. Um, let's dive into... Clemson's matchup against NC State. This is a program that you cover for the Locked On Podcast Network, that being the Wolfpack. And this was a game that really caught my attention because NC State, they run a really good 3-3-5 defense. It's actually the kind of defense that South Carolina has started to run on that side of the ball for the past couple weeks. They've seen a lot of success with it after having a lot of struggles throughout the first, you know, three quarters of the season. And so that is what I would expect Gamecock fans could see on Saturday night. So, uh, Ken, when you look back on that game, what do you think that the Wolfpack did with that 3-3-5 defense that gave Clemson a ton of problems to where they got a bunch of yards in the box score at the end of the day, but they weren't able to capitalize on some of those long extending drives? Yeah, so uh, the, the biggest thing that NC State did to uh, Clemson to come away with a win in this game was, I mean, they made it very difficult on Cade in the red zone. They made it very difficult on him in terms of the blitz patterns that we were bringing. They made it difficult on him in terms of, like, I I struggled to kind of create what the scheme was that made the difference because I'm a huge believer in it's not about your X's and your O's, it's your Larry's and your Joe's, and this was one of those games, right? If you look at the pick six that Peyton Wilson had, it was like not too many other players other than Peyton Wilson would just happen to be right there at the right moment where it bounces off a guy's helmet and he catches it and all that good stuff. But I think that the biggest thing was stopping the run. Like that's that is the if you play Clemson and you cannot, and especially this iteration of Clemson, and you cannot stop the run, congratulations. Go ahead and hand over the Palmetto Bowl trophy right now. Say, hey, it belongs at Clemson. It doesn't belong in Columbia. We don't know what to do with it. We didn't deserve it. We weren't legit because that's that's gonna be the ball game. If you look at Clemson in their last, I want to say four or five games, right? Look at the yardage totals in terms of what they did on the ground, and that tells you the result in every single one of those games. When they have gotten over 150 rushing, they've won each of their last four or five games. When they've gotten under 150, they've lost them. Against NC State, 101 yards exactly. This is a team that at the end of the day, they know their identity. They know, K, hand that ball off. You got Big Phil next to you. That man is a, you know, he's listed 
listed at 235. I think that's being real generous. The boys one Bowberry biscuit away from 240, in my opinion, maybe 245. <laughs> but that's what they got him listed at. And then you got Will Shipley, the all-purpose do-everything guy. He can do some things out of the backfield in terms of receiving. He's got some wiggle out of the backfield and all that good stuff. He's a little bit more explosive, uh, but he is not that every-down guy that Mafia is in terms of, um, you know, the, the ability to run inside with power and contact balance and all that. So the biggest thing NC State did was they said, hey, I see what y'all are trying to do. I get it. Y'all are trying to be bullies. Well, you're not that anymore, buddy. Travis Etienne ain't walking through that door. Eric McLean and company ain't walking through that door. You all have to show us that you can find a crease and show some skill. And Clemson couldn't do that. And that's why NC State ultimately won the game. Because when you force Cade to be the guy that they win because of, he will falter. That's that's just the reality. If you can force that, he will falter. The forcing that is the problem. Obviously, three of the last or their last three games, two of which were wins against ranked teams, you're looking at, uh, I believe, 175 plus on the ground in each of them, two of them being 200-yard games. So, you know, that's that's the deal. That's what NC State did. And that's what South Carolina is going to have to do if the Gamecocks want a shot at this thing. It, it's all about stop the run, then have some fun. Now, those are the rules. I was a former defensive lineman, part of Dorn's first recruiting class, and that's the rule that we learned. Stop the run and go have some fun. South Carolina, if the boys in Garnet want to have some fun in this game, stop the run first. Yeah, Ken, you know, honestly, when I think back to it, you know, I said before the season that South Carolina playing Kentucky, a team as physical as Kentucky that likes to pride themselves, run the football in their own right, that I thought that that was, you know, a bad matchup to have leading into the Clemson game. But looking back, it might have actually been one of the best things that could have happened for this team because they got to see somebody in Ray Davis who, you know, isn't a slouch in his own right. He might not be quite as good as maybe a Phil Moffa for Clemson, like you just mentioned. I mean, dude is an absolute load to bring down, but at least it gives you sort of a litmus test of, you know, where you're at as a defense and, you know, if you can handle this kind of challenge trying to face this Clemson ground attack. Uh, Ken, before we get into sort of our final thoughts for this matchup, I want to ask you about Clemson's defense. You've mentioned a couple of times now you're a former defensive lineman, so I'm sure that's something that, you know, maybe you pay extra close attention to when you watch these football games. Clemson, obviously, they've been known for their defense for a very long time now, dating all the way back to when Brent Venables originally got there, you know, 10, 11, 12 years ago, however long it was. Now, they're still pretty decent, but, you know, they might not be quite as elite as they once used to be. Is there a single area on that defense where maybe if South Carolina plays the right way on Saturday night, they could exploit it? Or is it a sort of a situation where you just got to find a way to make enough plays if you're a star player like Xavier Leggett or Spencer Rattler on this offense? Uh, so I think their I think their secondary is the weakness of this uh, group. With all due respect, I think Wiggins is wildly overrated. Um, Makuba, I think he's everything that he's taught to be plus some. But when you go beyond those two in that secondary, what else do you have? A bunch of young guys, a bunch of, you know, these are literal slow dancing at prom last year type guys. Like that's, that's the, re- or not even last year, a few months ago, they were slow dancing at prom and now they're asked to cover, uh, guys like, uh, Leggett and, and, and company on, on Saturday. And so, the reality is that's where you want to go. And also Clemson's defensive line doesn't have the depth that they used to have. I think the strength of this group is that linebacking core. Of course, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. I mean, you know, in the words of Lil Wayne, I'm just starting like my daddy. That's that's what his his pops was a great linebacker for many, many years. He's going to be a great linebacker for many, many years, barring injury or anything like that. Barry Carter, just a freak of nature. I mean, oh, my Lord, he's 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 undersized for a linebacker. 
but he plays like it. He plays. He has all the benefits of being undersized for a linebacker and all the drawbacks. Like when guards get up in his face and get a hold of him, it's a problem. However, catch him if you can. When he's dropping back, when he's moving laterally, he's a problem. Up front, Xavier Thomas is coming on. That defensive line is coming on as a unit. Um, I, I, Tyler Davis, we wanted to put out an APB for him at certain points of time during the season because he, he was going missing a little bit. He started to show up as well. So this defensive line, the starters at least, uh, I don't know how to pronounce that young man whose name starts with the O. I'm not going to try it. Um, but we know who I'm talking about. He is excellent as well on the interior. They just don't have a lot of depth behind them to where you're like, oh, man, like they just come at you in waves, which is what Clemson used to do. Imagine getting worn out by Dexter Lawrence for a few plays, and then you're like, oh, finally the backup. Brian Brissett, <laughs> I'm yeah. in danger. So, you know, they don't have that type of depth anymore. But the reality is the secondary is where you can attack. The secondary is where this group is pliable. They have a lot of problems handling the moment of truth, which is odd to say for Clemson defensive backs. Normally, that's where they excel. Normally, if anything, you catch them out of position maybe. But when it come, came to that moment of truth, if it was them and the receiver, they look like the receiver. Now, mm, there's a lot of flailing. There's a lot of uh, man-turning when they should be zone-turning and vice versa. So that's that's where, you know, this is a really good matchup for South Carolina because we know Spencer Rattler – I have said this many a time, and, and a lot of people disagree with me about this. Spencer Rattler has, um, I would say, just in pure terms of pure arm talent, he's probably the best, at worst, second best in this class, probably top five in the last 10 years or so. And I, I mean that very genuinely. So if he can put balls on the money, if this offensive line can hold up and give him some time, there's a very good chance that, you know, this uh, this South Carolina team can get done. Yeah, no, and obviously with that Clemson defense, you know, certainly several stud defenders that the Gamecocks are going to have to watch out for on Saturday night. And, Ken, that gets me into my final point. Let's go ahead and put a bow on this entire conversation. Uh, South Carolina, you know, obviously we've kind of broken it down offensively and defensively, what Clemson's going to bring to the table. Gamecock fans, obviously, you know at this point what this South Carolina football team is. So, Ken, I want to take this down from an external standpoint. It's a rivalry game. Obviously, again, you mentioned it. It sounds like you've been a part of the rivalry game at NC State, North Carolina. In-state rival. It's going to be in Williams-Brice on Saturday night. A lot of Gamecock fans feel like that that is going to give South Carolina an advantage if, like you said, you can slow down the run. You can force a younger quarterback still in Cade Klubnick to have to make more plays than not. So, do you think that that happens for South Carolina? Or do you think that Clemson just still has too much on paper with this football team to where it's not going to happen this year. So I I really do appreciate the way that the three, three, five has kind of helped out South Carolina and, and has led to their resurgence and all that in many ways. My only problem is you have to have depth to stop this Clemson running game because you're looking at two really quality backs. You can stop one of them and then all of a sudden the other goes off and you can kind of stop them for two, three quarters, but they're not going to give up on this run game because they know if we have, if Kate has to throw it 40 times, we're going to lose. So I listen, as much as I don't like the Tigers, as much as I, you know, I, I, I like them a lot more than, than the boys in baby blue, but I think that the, uh, the Tigers are going to say, you know what? We may not have had the season that we wanted to. We may not have had a typical Clemson season, but we can go out 
by making sure that this team doesn't make a bowl game, that the, the school down the street doesn't make a bowl game. And I think that they are successful in that, in a really close one, uh, 24-21 Clemson. Yeah, I'm right there with you in terms of the score. I think it's going to be somewhere around like a 20 to 17, 21, 17 tight game. I don't think that either offense is going to see a ton of success in this game. I think it's going to have a lot of ebbs and flows to it. There's going to be some moments where the fans are going to just about want to watch anything else because you're not going to see either team maybe drive the ball at least very much down the field. But yeah, certainly going to be an interesting one on Saturday night. Kenton, I really appreciate you so much for coming on to today's show. Uh, Tell all Gamecock fans where they can find your work for the Locked On Podcast Network. Absolutely. You can find me at Locked On Wolfpack, Locked On ACC, and every Friday at 11 a.m., Locked On College Football Live, we are talking all of the things throughout college football, all of the major stories. We do booms and busts every Saturday. I'll tell you what, if Beamer Ball can pull one out, get to a bowl game, I'm not making no guarantees, but there will be very strong consideration for a boom out of Columbia next week. That's all I can tell. That's great to hear. And yeah, all you Gamecock fans, be sure to check out that national show that we do every week on Friday. It's always a great show with Ken and the guys. So be sure to check that out as well. But otherwise, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Enjoy your Thanksgiving with your family and friends. If you're traveling to the game, be safe. I'll be sure to catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.